So a massive welcome to this seminar entitled Hearing the Voice of the Hearing the Father's Voice. My name is Joe Lee and I'm from God First in Christchurch. And it's a real honour to host this seminar with Chris Kilby. I'm so excited to introduce Chris in a moment. You probably know loads about him, but he's married, four kids, he lives in sunny Southampton. Um, he leads the Life Church there. And do you know what I love about Chris? He just loves Jesus with all his heart. Every time you talk to him, you can't help but be inspired what he's doing. He loves the loss so much. And when you hear, his, when you hear him speak, you're just going to be inspired. He's just awesome. He's just finished writing his first book called Equipped, which is amazing. I've heard. I haven't read it yet. It's only just been released, but it is available in the marketplace. So do grab a copy. It's called Equipped. It's supposed to be amazing. Chris is all also involved in the release section that we've got as the commission strategy, part of the Shore strategy, which stands for send, equip, release, uh, no, send, unify, release, and equip. I should know that, shouldn't I? Um, which we have for commission, which is so exciting. And the release part, which is I'm involved in that as well, is about us as individuals being released into all that God has made us to be, which then empowers us to bring his kingdom wherever we go. And I just love the saying, transformed people transform, which is amazing. So this seminar is part of the release section of this strategy. So today... We're hearing God's voice seminar. Do you know it's your inheritance to hear the Father's voice? Yeah, one person. Do you know it's your inheritance to hear the Father's voice? You do, because you are adopted as royal sons and daughters of God. And the more that you hear his voice and know his voice, the more you'll find yourselves released into who he has made you to be, which is amazing. We are in for such a treat this afternoon as Chris shows us different ways of hearing God's voice. So, and something exciting at the end of this seminar... We've got an exciting opportunity that only you guys are going to be invited to, which I'll tell you at the end. So hang around at the end. It's going to be really exciting. So shall we just join our hearts together? Shall we give Chris a massive welcome as he comes to teach us? Thanks so much, Joe. This is fun, isn't it? Camping and it's sunny. Can't quite believe it. Hello. You all right? Nice to see you. Friends from all over the world. Wonderful. Wow. Room full of people. You could have been doing sushi making over there. Do you realize that? Great. Well, it's a real joy to be with you today. Thank you for coming along to this seminar. I'm just going to pray before we start, and then we'll, uh, then we'll kick off. Father, we love you. We uh, just revel in our sonship and our daughterhood. We revel in the fact that we've been caught up and adopted into your family. And Father, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your words to edify, to build up, to encourage, to challenge, to provoke, to equip this afternoon. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this session. And say, come afresh and do new things. Maybe we came in and we were doing one thing, but we leave doing another. Well, come and speak to us, we pray, all for the glory of Jesus. Amen. So as Joe said, this seminar is called Hearing the Father's voice. I don't know what your experience of fatherhood was, 
mine wasn't brilliant, if I'm honest. My dad was a farmer, and uh, he was a nice guy. Uh, I grew up on the farm, uh, firstly in Sussex, then in Norfolk, and it was a warm and loving family, and then all of a sudden, boom, my dad had an affair, and that was the end of our warm, loving family, and it was blown apart by his infidelity. And, uh, and that led to all sorts of other things uh, that, that uh, I became involved in, you know, the kind of lifestyle of drink and drugs and all of that kind of thing, because there was no father's voice all through that time. That voice that, as a young boy, I was very familiar with, I can still remember, for example, going out with my dad to feed the calves on the farm and he would, he would usher me in. And I, one of the things I can remember really clearly is taking my shoes off and getting both of my legs into his big welly boot and hopping around. And, you know, so, so my dad, he was precious to me as a young man, but all of a sudden that voice that was so warm and fatherly and protective and strong was faint. And over the years it grew fainter and fainter and the result of not having a father's voice speaking into my life through those years meant that I wandered and wandered and wandered further away from security further away from peace and uh, and I would say further away from any kind of father I was very much an orphan and then one day back in 1992 I heard not just a father, but the father. And it literally changed everything for me. I was a cynical, skeptical, argumentative student. Some of my friends became Christians. I thought they'd lost the plot. I met a girl who was a Christian. I thought she was deluded. But I couldn't balance the the reality that these people had had some experience and some connection with God that I'd never had uh, and the reality of that compared with my absence of knowledge and understanding and experience of God and the more I weighed up the difference between the two the more I thought what they have got is so much better than what I have got and so in 1992 I was on an underground train underneath central London and I snarled through my teeth and I said, all right, God, if you're real and if I've done anything to offend you, I am sorry. And I want to be forgiven. And if it's possible for me to know you, I want to know you. And nothing can have prepared me for what I heard next. And it was the Father's voice. Four words. Four words. And they have been burned into my heart. You are my son. And from that moment, everything, everything changed. Just hearing four words from the Father changed my whole life, my whole direction, my whole peace, my whole security. Everything changed. But when I look back on the journey, actually the Father had been speaking, but in different ways along the way. Obviously the Father had already led me to a place where I was dissatisfied with myself and with life. He'd already sent some people my way who had put their faith in Jesus and kind of paved the way a little bit. He'd already brought this Christian girl around who I thought was quite nice. 
And he brought her alongside me and she started praying for me and talking to me. It had actually already been speaking through all of this. I'd actually even been into two churches, which was something that none of my friendship group would ever have done. We'd have been in the pub or playing in the band or, you know, hanging around in the park, smoking dope or something. You know, that's the kind of crowd we were. But I'd been into two churches. And in one of those churches, a young man stood up and prophesied about me. And I thought, whoa. And I, I didn't even realize there was such a thing. So all through that period of time, the father had been speaking. But the thing was, I was unfamiliar with his voice. I didn't know how to tune into the things that he was saying. I, I guess I couldn't discern what was my thought life, what was God, or what was just opinion from the world. I had no filter the truth is there is nothing, nothing more profound and privileged and wonderful than hearing the Father's voice. Now, John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Listen to what A.W. Tozer says about that verse. An intelligent, plain man, untaught in the truths of Christianity, coming up upon this text would likely conclude that John meant to teach us that it is the nature of God to speak, to communicate his thoughts to others. And he would be right. A word is a medium by which thoughts are expressed. And the application of the term to the eternal son leads us to believe that self-expression is inherent in the Godhead, that God is forever seeking to speak himself out to his creation. And the whole Bible supports this idea. God is speaking. Not God spoke, but God is speaking. By his nature, continuously articulate, he fills the world with his speaking voice. Isn't that wonderful? God fills the world with his speaking voice. Voice. That means for us who are followers of Jesus, we love and follow a father who speaks. A father who speaks. You know, there are some great examples, aren't there, in Scripture of people who seem to just hear the father's voice with such a clarity that they became like a trumpet. They became God's mouthpiece to their generation. We, collectively, I guess we call them the prophets because they brought things to people that would only have been known to God. And so they brought them from God's heart to the ears of the people of Israel, God's people. And some of these prophets, they were funny, weren't they? I mean, some of them were quite dramatic, like Isaiah, who got rid of his clothes and went barefoot for three years. Actually, I'm barefoot this afternoon. Isaiah went barefoot for, for three or Ezekiel, who laid down for 390 days on one side and then on his other side for 40 more. I mean, it's quirky behavior, isn't it? I mean, some of them were just scorned just for the pure spectacle of who they were, and, and others were unpopular for the, the message that they brought. But the thing I love about all of the prophets, whether they're the big ones, the big names, or whether they're the minor ones, one thing that is evident is that they were all very different and that they were all very unique. But there was something that they all had in common, and it was God's call. They'd all at some point received a call from God to, to speak out on his behalf. 
But apart from that one thing, they were all really, really diverse. They came from different places, different walks of life, different classes of society. So you've got sheep farmers like Amos or Elisha. You've got you know, princes and priests like Abraham and Ezekiel. You've got women. You've got children in, in Samuel and kings. Sometimes, actually, even when people were enemies of God, they could be used by God to prophesy. And today, God is still the same Father who speaks as he spoke through the prophets of old. And he still speaks to us through a whole range of prophets, like this room, like this diver. I mean, just look around the room. We've got people from different nations. We've got people from different backgrounds, people from different ages, such a variety. But God can still speak through a variety of people as diverse as this today. And you know, Joe was speaking about release And when the Father's voice begins to be released in such a way that we hear it, then it can bring release to all sorts of situations for us personally. Situations that keep us bound can suddenly be released. And situations that were formerly chaotic can suddenly be brought to a place of great order. Let me give you an example. Jack Deere wrote a fantastic book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. And here's here's an example of how when God's voice is heard and we're released to hear it, it can bring order from chaos. Let me read it to you. Kevin Forrest became a Christian shortly after his graduation from high school. His past had not been good. He'd grown up in an immoral climate and various forms of sexual immorality had enslaved him at one time or another. For about a year after his conversion experience, he managed to stay out of immorality, but then he fell back into bondage. And about that time, he met and married Regina. In many cases, marriage will stop immoral behavior, but it didn't work that way in Kevin's case. Even after marriage, he continued his immoral life but Regina didn't find out. They began a family. A son and a daughter were born to them, but Kevin continued his adulteries. Regina did find out about one affair. It broke her heart, but she forgave Kevin. For Kevin's part, he lied about all the other affairs and promised to be faithful and resumed his adulterous practices. And then in 1986, their two-year-old daughter, Haley died from a brain tumor. And Kevin's grief turned to anger against the Lord. Why would God take his baby girl to punish him for his secret sins? Yet not even the loss of his daughter could bring Kevin to repentance. He continued to lead two lives. The one that everyone saw, the church-going, faithful husband and father, But in secret, he was still entangled in sexual immorality. And as Kevin slid deeper into darkness, Regina got closer and closer to the Lord. Kevin started despising her for this closeness. And and with divine help, Regina found out about a small part of Kevin's unfaithfulness. But after the first confrontation, Regina called her pastors for help. One of them went to the forest's home to comfort Regina, while the others met up with Kevin. Kevin had two alternatives in mind. 
He was either going to kill himself and run away to start a new identity. His pastors came close to using physical force in order to restrain him. So the two options, he was either going to run away or he was going to kill himself. That didn't make sense. Do you understand? So he was either going to kill himself or he was going to run away. They had to restrain him. Paul Cain, prophet, was in town that week to speak at a conference that the church was hosting. The night of the blow-up between Kevin and Regina, the Lord gave this man a vision of them. And when he awoke the next morning, he called the pastor and said, there's a domestic problem in your church. That's right, the pastor said. Her name's Regina. What's his name? Asked Paul. It's Kevin. Listen, this guy wants to run. Don't let him do it. Make sure he's in the meeting tonight. The Lord may do something for him. And then Paul hung up. Both Kevin and Regina came to the church that night. But they were not sitting together. At the end of his message, Paul asked Kevin to stand up. By name. A man named Kevin jumped up immediately, but it was not Kevin Forrest. Paul said, no, you're not the Kevin I saw in the vision. There's another Kevin here. Then slowly, Kevin Forrest stood up. Kevin, I don't want to embarrass you, but your marriage is on the rocks, Paul said. Last night, I had a vision of you and Regina. That's your wife's name, isn't it? I don't want to embarrass you. I want to restore you. The Lord calls your wife upright, but Satan has led you into sin. He has tried to destroy you. He has a contract on your life. You're 28 28 years old and the devil plans to kill you before your 30th birthday. He hasn't able to kill you yet, but he has killed your baby. Satan killed your baby, not God. Kevin felt as though his heart would break in two when Paul said this. He had been angry with God for Haley's death, but it was not God who took Haley. Kevin's agreement with evil had given the devil an opening to hurt his family. Satan wants to kill you because he knows what God has in store for you and Regina. Where's your wife? Paul asked. Where are you, Regina? Ah, there you are. (laughs) Paul looked at Regina and appealed to her like a father. Regina, please trust me in what I'm about to say. You must forgive this man of all the things that were uncovered and revealed. And then Paul asked both of them to come down to the front of the church and to stand before him. Regina, you must be upright. Satan is the one who is your enemy. Last night the Lord showed me that your baby is dead and your brother is dead. Regina's brother had died three months before their their daughter Haley had died. It's an all-out attack by the devil. The devourer is at your doorstep, but the Lord said that your lives and marriage are going to be restored. The only way out is total forgiveness and making your sacred vows over again. The Lord said that this is the only way out. Last night was the dark night of the soul, but things could be worse. The Lord showed me that you have two children who need you. Kevin... For God's sake, repent tonight. The Lord is going to help you, Kevin. Look at me from this night on because you have repented. 
And Regina, you're going to have to forgive this man because the Lord said, after midnight tonight, your husband will never again be called Kevin, but he's going to be called St. John. That happens to be his middle name. Lord, I pronounce a blessing on every torn marriage, every sick and diseased life here. I pray that you will heal them from that from the cancer of that marriage. I pronounce you all over again, man and wife. I want you to meet all over again, the new St. John and Regina. Amen. And then he goes on to say, what I've written does not come close to adequately describing what took place in the church that night. People were overcome by the presence of the Lord. Some were weeping uncontrollable. Some, afraid that their own sins were going to be revealed next, had begun repenting. (laughs) Others were worshipping the Lord for his tender mercy and for his omniscient power. There was an authority and a power in the words that were spoken on that evening that cannot be captured in print. The only names that he knew through natural means was Kevin's. Everything else, all the other names, the events and the restoration of the marriage was revealed to him by the father. This is one of the reasons that the, why the words had such a divine impact People in the room understood that these were truly prophetic words. These prophetic words did what Paul the Apostle said they would do. They caused people to fall on their faces and declare that God was among them. And the next day, Paul told the pastor that 12 other marriages in his church were in serious trouble and that the Lord would use Kevin's repentance and Regina's forgiveness to heal those marriages. Two weeks later, Kevin and Regina renewed their wedding vows on Sunday morning before the whole church. And afterwards, the pastor said to the church that other marriages in the church were in danger, and the Lord would help them also if they were willing to repent and forgive as the forests had done. Twelve couples rose and came to the altar of the church to receive prayer, to repent and to forgive each other. As far as they know, all twelve of those marriages are doing well. And today, Kevin goes by the name John. The Lord has given John and Regina two beautiful daughters in the place of the ones Satan killed. Not only was the forest's marriage saved, but also their lives were completely transformed by the grace that was communicated to them on that night. Today, they're home group leaders, pastoring people in their church. The satanic power of sexual immorality over John was broken that night and he discovered the power of the blood of God's son to cleanse, restore and set free. The devil had convinced Kevin Forrest that he only had two alternatives, either run or commit suicide. The ministry of the Holy Spirit gave him another and better choice. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? The power of the spoken word from God God's voice speaking into a situation, bringing order out of chaos, bringing restoration out of brokenness, bringing hope out of despair. Now, that might sound like a completely incredible example. It might sound so out there, but I believe that same release is available through the same Holy Spirit today for us to begin to hear his voice more clearly and to speak into our situations now the challenge is this some have said to me when we've spoken about the prophetic well it's a gift you either have it or you don't so there's not much point in trying to cultivate it 
But that's what today is all about. It's about release. It's about us being released into cultivating, developing gifts. And if a teacher can grow in the gift of teaching through study and through practice, why can't you and I grow in the gift of the prophetic through practice? We can, can't we? We can. Here's seven starters for how we can and why we can and what we need to cultivate in order to. These are just quick quick things to get us into it and then in a little while we're going to begin to get practical because this isn't a teaching session okay this is a releasing session okay so it's not all going to be me doing the work but firstly I want you to take these seven thoughts firstly be convinced that the bible teaches that this gift of the spirit and God's voice to us is for today so there's no point in us having a theology of the spirit if we're functionally cessationist is there So are you prepared to believe with me that God still speaks? Yeah? Okay, we're there. Step one. Step two, are we convinced that we can all receive gifts to serve others? Any of us can. So if you're the person that sat there at the moment saying, right, I'm discounting myself in this moment because I've only been a Christian a week, I want you to get rid of that because God can use all of us to serve the body of Christ. And equally, if you might have been somebody who said, I've been a Christian for 40 years, but I've never received a prophetic word for anybody, I want you to, just in your mind, just stir yourself and say, I'm prepared to believe on God for something new today and to be released into something new. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. This is a serving thing. Faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. So we're a body, we're the body of Christ. We're here to serve one another this afternoon. I just want to ask you a question. Are you up for helping serve the body of Christ this afternoon? Yeah? Okay, great. Fantastic. The next thing Paul says is that we're to pursue and desire these kind of gifts. It's it's one thing to believe that they're there for us in our heads. It's another thing to pursue it, isn't it? And to run after it and to desire it. 1 Corinthians 14 is one. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So there's an especially here. So there's an eagerness in the heart of God for us to hear his voice, to hear his voice this afternoon. Next step, James 4.2, ask. Ask. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You cover, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So we can ask. In fact, let's take a moment. Let's just ask God for a moment, and then we'll look at the last few. Why don't you just personally with me, just ask. Say, Father, I eagerly desire to hear your voice for myself and for others this afternoon so that the body of Christ might be built up and so that we might find our place of belonging in the heart of God. Amen. Next one is attempt. Attempt. Do you know Stepping out for God in gifts requires a healthy level of risk. There's always going to be a measure of risk and vulnerability attached to the use of any of these gifts. You know, the only good athlete that you will ever meet is a bad one who didn't give up. Okay, so there's going to be a healthy element of you pushing through doubt, pushing through fear, pushing through Englishness, pushing through inexperience and embarrassment and saying to heaven with it. I'm going to go for it. Remember that beautiful video last night? Three seconds of courage. That's all it takes. Three seconds of courage. So I want you to be prepared to attempt. 
Remember, it's the attempt that is important. Remember the parable of the talents? It wasn't what they were given that was the important thing. It was what they did with what they had, the way that they stewarded it with faith and with courage. They tried. They tried. Next one. If you want to grow in this gift today and after today, here's a, here's a, here's a tip. Hang out with people who prophesy. Yeah? Hang out with people who prophesy. Proverbs 13:20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So there's this notion of when we hang out with people who embody certain gifts, we, some of it starts to rub off on us. We catch something, we imbibe something, we receive something. So if you want to grow in this, start hanging out with prophets. And then the other thing I would say is create a safe place to grow and practice. Whether that's in your friendship group, people you trust, people who won't mind if you get it wrong, people you can make a mistake with, uh, your small group, you know, home group, life group, community group, whatever it is you belong to, whatever fancy name you've got for it. Or, or here. This is a safe place. Okay. Now, I know, I know you don't all know one another, but you're lovely. I can see from here. Okay, so today it actually is a safe place for you to start or to grow or to step out. And I want you to understand that you're amongst friends today. So what is it we're going to be doing then? What is it that we're stepping into? What is it that we're wanting to release ourselves into? You, well, you know, I, I had a French teacher at school. She didn't particularly like me because I was a bit of a rebel. And, and she's the only French teacher. She was an older lady called Miss Whitmore. And she was the only person I've ever known who spoke French with a Norfolk accent. <laughs> she was amazing. She, you go into the class and you say, Bonjour tout le monde. <laughs> and she, she was funny. She didn't like me a great deal because I was the guy at the back of the class that was chucking the rubber around. But, but finally the day came for our, t our exams. And in particular, our speaking and listening test. And it was the days when we would do it with an old reel-to-reel -reel recorder. So she would have the big buttons and the reel-to-reel, -reel and she would press it. And there'd be this kind of... And then this voice would come off, very prim and proper. Écoutez et répétez. Listen and repeat. Écoutez et répétez. And you would listen and you would repeat. You know, the Greek word for prophecy carries that notion. Here and repeat. Hear God's voice, speak it out. That's the nature of prophecy. You see, some people think prophecy is some kind of sanctified magic trick. It's very simply, écoutez et répétez. Hear what the Lord is saying and speak it out with faith. Speak it forth. We hear something from the Father and then we speak it into the life of another. And what happens when we do? It brings release, it brings faith, it brings order, it brings direction, it brings comfort, it brings counsel and all the other things that the Holy Spirit does. Now here's the challenge. I was alright at French. I was okay but not perfect. Sometimes I would listen to the reel to reel and I would think I knew what it had said. But I wasn't quite sure. And in that moment, it, you've got a choice to make. Do I ignore it and lose the point? Or do I go for it and give it my best guess and maybe get one or two words right and get half a point? 
And with prophecy, again, it's exactly the same. You might think, I don't know if I've heard, I don't know if that's God, I don't know if that's me, I don't know if that's the, you know, the lunch that I've just had, I don't know if that's a thought that was in my mind from this afternoon. But if you think you might hear something, or you get a sense, or an idea, or a thought, or an image, or a word, here's my recommendation to you. Have a go. Speak it out. You might get half of it right. You might not get 100%, but give it your best guess. Your best guess. You see, stepping out in the prophetic is exactly like that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, didn't he? For we know in part and we prophesy in part. We're not going to have a full revelation of the Father's plan and will. But we are going to have part of it because he loves to impart some of it to us. Completeness hasn't yet come. One day it will do and it'll be amazing. And, and the voice of the Father we will hear will be as edifying as it was for Adam and Eve in the garden. Won't that be incredible when we can walk in the cool of the day with him and he can just, you know, his voice is just there so comforting. Walking you around, talking to you. That's going to be amazing. But for now, we, we can't be 100% sure. So we have to attempt. We have to go with what we do know. And we have to give people a freedom, a freedom to weigh it, a freedom to receive it, freedom to not receive it. That's part of the challenge of the church age, isn't it? Already and not yet. Part here, part not here. Kingdom has come, kingdom is coming. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. But for us today, the way that we can grow, make progress, push forward, be released into more of this, is by attempting, trying, having a go, and celebrating our attempts. And this is something we're quite big on down in Southampton. We've been trying to cultivate this culture of, of attempting things for God. In fact, this year we've, we've been trying to attempt 500 new things for God. And, and, and the notion came out of that great sermon from William Carey, the, the Baptist ministry uh, guy who, who, who was, well, the father of modern missions, they called him, didn't they? But he, he preached a great sermon called uh, Attempt Great Things for God, Expect Great Things from God. And, and so we're trying to create a culture where we're celebrating the attempt, not the result, not the fruit, not the outcome, but the attempt. And as we start to do that, we're finding that people are being released into trying things more, being bolder, being braver, being more courageous, and seeing the will of God being outworked. So for us today, I want us to attempt. Now, if you've never attempted to bring a prophetic word today to, to anybody ever, and today you even have a go, even if it's like my ecutate and repetate and you seem to lose something in the translation. I want to encourage you to keep going again and again and again and learn to shape and steward that gift. So I don't want you to be concerned that you might get it wrong and so you keep quiet today. Okay? I want you to be prepared to have that measure of vulnerability because we're going to get into some practical exercises where we can begin to hear the Father for ourselves and for others and we're going to hear him more clearly, more powerfully, more effectively. But I want to, I guess if I'm asking you to be vulnerable, I'm prepared to be a bit vulnerable uh, as well. You know, I don't consider myself a prophet at all. I, 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 I prophesy, and I'm happy to prophesy, and I enjoy using the gift of prophecy, but I'm not a prophet. But I have loved, absolutely loved, hearing the Father's voice. And it is a gift I'm keen to grow in. And the, the, the things we're going to do together, the reason I've chosen these particular things is because over the last few years, I guess, these are some of the ways that personally I have heard the Father's voice. 
from a place of not hearing the Father's voice in that way to hearing it. And so it's something that's quite new and in my experience at the moment. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just use a few exercises to see if the Father speaks to you using these ways as well. My hope and prayer is that as we do, you'll find him speaking to you and speaking through you. So before we do that, I'm going to pray again. And as I say, there's a measure of vulnerability in this. and You're probably sitting there thinking, oh my goodness me, what's going to happen next? Oh dear, I wish I'd made sushi. Why don't you pray with me for a moment and let's just express our our vulnerability, our openness and ask God to replace any fear with faith and a healthy courage. Father, we, we love your voice and we love you and we love your church. We love one another. Uh, And Lord, our desire today is that you would build your church, that we would be edified and built up, and that we would hear your voice and we would hear and repeat. We would écouter et répéter to one another, the voice of God to each other. And Lord, where we may feel inexperienced, vulnerable, fearful, We just recognize that fear does not come from you. You did not give us a spirit of fear. And your perfect love drives out fear. So we ask that your perfect love, your perfect Father's love would come. And wipe away every trace of fear right now. And we ask, Lord, for the gift of faith. We ask for the gift of faith right now that we might hear. And that we might impart something of your will to one another this afternoon. We do feel vulnerable Lord in this but we know that you are a good father and we trust you and we ask you to speak to us and release our ears to hear what you want to say for the glory of Jesus amen amen okay so here's what we're going to do the first one about a year ago um, it was Christmas time, so it would be about 18 months ago now. Um, I, I love old things. I love nostalgia. I, I, if you come to my house, I've, I've got like collections of all sorts of rubbish. John, you were there the other day, weren't you? I've got, uh, yeah, I've got a wooden egg box that was used to post eggs in the First World War. I mean, who's going to use that? No one ever. But I love it. I love it. It's not the sort of thing you'll find ever. I've got kind of old adverts on my wall and old enamel signs and things like that. I just, that kind of thing, that nostalgic thing really gets me. And my wife bought me for Christmas a pack of replica 1970s advertising leaflets. And so there was an advert for Grundig televisions, big wooden television with a great big roundy kind of screen. And and there there was an advert for Vesta's curry Indian meals in a box. Yeah, and, and, and there were all these different adverts, and I, I, I kept them in the packet, and then one morning I was praying in my study, and I, I opened this packet up, and I thought, I'm going to have a look at these, and I started to take them out, and as I started to look at these, uh, these old 1970s advertising slips, and tickets, and uh, you know, things for bands, and all sorts of things, I felt God begin to speak to me through them, and I genuinely heard the Father's voice saying things to me about these these adverts, and, and all of a sudden I realized that the, these, these were for some individuals that I knew. And some of them I knew who they were, and some of them God spoke, but I didn't know who they were for. So I kind of committed it to prayer, and I said, Lord, I'm going to carry these around with me 
And either when I meet the person that you've spoken to, I'm going to share it with them, or if you bring this back to mind when I'm speaking to somebody, I will work out which piece of paper it is you want me to share with them, and I will, I'll do it. And so, so I did. And little did I know, but those, those funny little bits of paper unlocked certain things for certain people, and God spoke to them powerfully through those things. Now, I hadn't prepared for that. I hadn't expected that. I was just looking through some old stuff on my desk, you know. And yet God began to speak. So what we're going to do for the first one is I've got a box of postcards. Joe, can you just pass me these postcards? Now, what I'm going to, what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're here as a couple today, I'd like you to take one postcard for you as a couple. And if you're on your own here today, I'd like you to take one postcard for yourself. So I'm just going to come down and give some bundles out. And if you can make sure they're all passed along, is that okay? Okay, I don't want you to panic if you haven't got one, okay? If you haven't got one, I just want you to shut your eyes for a moment, and I want you to think back to your childhood. And I want you to remember a significant book from your childhood, something you were read at school, or something that was read to you by a parent, or something that was on your bookshelf in your bedroom. If This is if you haven't got a card, okay? If you have got a card, I want you to have a look at the picture on the front. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask that the Lord would speak to you through either the words or the image or, 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 or a number on it or something that's on it. And I want, what I want you to do is I want you to begin to tune in to the voice of God. Now, immediately you'll think, oh, I don't know if he'll speak to me. I probably won't say anything. And then all of a sudden you'll find you're thinking along a certain track. You're thinking about something. I want you to take hold those thoughts and maybe jot down a word as a reminder, a thought. Maybe jot down a sentence afterwards. Okay, so I'm going to pray. And I'm going to leave it a couple of minutes for you just to look at the picture or remember the, the book that was in your mind. And then I'm going to ask the Lord to speak to you. And I, I want you to be prepared to jot a few notes down if you've got a pen particularly. If not, I want you just to think through the things that you feel God might be saying. Remember, you might not hear it all. It might be ecoute, but you only repete... 50%. Who knows? You might hear something profound, but let me just pray. Father, I pray that you would use these images and words right now to speak to us. Lord, I was amazed when you spoke through those little pieces of paper. I hadn't expected it. And I pray right now that for these dear people, that in this moment of stillness, they would hear your voice and that you would begin to speak. Amen.